Welcome to Sharp Waves, a podcast from the International League Against Epilepsy. Our episodes cover epilepsy research, clinical care, career development, and issues in diagnosis and treatment from around the globe. Access to care affects people with epilepsy worldwide. Bringing care closer to home can help. But what about bringing care inside the home? In this episode, we review a recent study of a randomized trial comparing home-based epilepsy care to clinic-based care. We spoke with two of the authors about the study's results and the implications for models of care that could help to shrink the epilepsy treatment gap, particularly in low-resource countries. I'm Dr. Meenakshi Sharma, and I work with the Indian Council of Medical Research which is a premium research organization in the country. And at ICMR, we undertake research activities in almost all diseases. We do only health research, and I look after cardiology and neurology. So we have been doing work on population-based registries, some epidemiological surveys, as well as we are trying to build up care models which are appropriate for our country. My name is uh, Gagandeep Singh. I'm, I'm a, a neurologist. I'm a professor of neurology in one of the medical schools in Ludhiana in North India. Uh, I'm also the PI of uh, principal investigator on this uh, project uh, which was funded by the Indian Council of Medical Research of which uh, Dr. Minaksh is uh, one of the uh, lead scientists. Ours was uh, a cluster randomized trial of home-based primary healthcare for epilepsy versus clinic-based care. Uh, People in the clinic-based arm attended clinic as usual. They were of course provided free medicines. Uh, people in home care were cared for by community health workers and nurses. And not, they not only provided medicines, they also uh, did a lot of counseling, uh, including stigma management, epilepsy self-management, first aid, uh, and adherence reinforcement. This actually improved outcomes. They were much less people in the home care arm that dropped off out of follow-up. Uh, their adherence was significantly better and their seizure control was also significantly better. Therefore, the outcomes, the disease-specific outcomes were certainly better with home care. Getting treatment closer to home or even better still, getting treatment at home uh, certainly improves outcome in epilepsy. We know that uh, there are many countries, resource-limited countries, where there is an immense treatment gap. Now, there have been a number of systematic reviews about the treatment gap across many different countries. Generally speaking, for instance, in the United States, the epilepsy treatment gap is less than 10%. But there are many countries, India included, where uh, estimates of the treatment gap are something Uh, around 70%. They're better than before, what they were 10 years ago, but still probably about 70% of people with epilepsy go untreated. And there are several reasons for this. People often have 
poor health literacy they cannot afford medicines there are there are economic reasons for this there are uh, there is poor availability of the specialist resource so neurologists are uh, the number of neurologists is really limited these are some of the reasons why uh, people with epilepsy are unable to access treatment so we uh, you know thought of this uh, trial or this study where we wanted to look at whether by getting treatment closer to the homes or at the homes of people with epilepsy uh, would this actually reduce the treatment gap and improve some of the epilepsy outcomes so could you explain a little bit about how the study worked how did you recruit people to join the study and how did you manage the home care and the clinic care we decided to do this study in in the district of ludhiana which is in north india and which has a huge population it's one of the most highly populated cities in the country it's an industrial city where people actually come for from far and wide to work here but their living conditions are not very good most of the people are poor so this was uh, our site of or the location of the study and before we actually began the study we did, did a door to door survey in several different clusters uh, across the city uh, and uh, these clusters were of 2000 people each we expected an epilepsy prevalence of somewhere between 5 to 10 per 1000 during the door to door screening we identified people with epilepsy we then offered them invited them for neurological evaluations which were done by the study neurologists and that included uh, electroencephalographic examinations that included mris so that we would have a firm diagnosis of epilepsy in all all our subjects once these were done then uh, we invited these people to take part in this community based trial where they would be randomized either to home care or to clinic based care and the randomization was done at a cluster level not at an individual level so entire clusters of population based units of 2000 each were randomized either to clinic based care or home based care in the clinic based arm which was the comparator arm they attended the district hospital there is actually no neurologist in the district hospital in in the city of ludhiana in fact most of the uh, cities the district hospital which is also known as the civil hospital does not have a neurologist but uh, uh, our uh, health minister said that for this trial you can actually debut one of the neurologists to to go there once once a month and uh, once a week actually and see all the patients with epilepsy so this was the usual clinic based arm but in the home care arm what we did is we had workers who were basically of the same qualification as asha workers asha workers are community health workers uh, and uh, they are the backbone of the community health program of india they go home to home their main 
aim or their main function is to look after and motivate people uh, women in the reproductive age group to come and get deliveries in the in facilities or in hospitals and not to get any home deliveries their other job is to look after immunization so it was like adding a little bit of epilepsy work to their uh, to to their usual work and we trained them over a short period of time so that they can go from home to home and visit the homes of all people with epilepsy number one provide them with the medicines that they required number two uh, to counsel them and to provide guidance regarding stigma self management of epilepsy and also counsel them on adherence you know adherence is extremely important in epilepsy and and uh, is one of the crucial pillars of the success of treatment and they would do this during monthly visits to the they were given seizure diaries and they would record the occurrence of seizures in the past one month which all patients would do themselves and then pass it on to the uh, community health workers so this was the basic design of our study and we followed them over two years Registration is now open for the 15th European Epilepsy Congress, held September 7th through 11th in Rome, Italy. Join your colleagues for five days of teaching courses, platform sessions, symposia, career development sessions, and more. To receive a discount on registration fees, register by May 10th. Visit the ILAE website for more information or register directly at bit.ly slash ILAE Rome. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash I-L-A-E-R-O-M-E, all lowercase. Thanks for listening. Two years. And and what were the primary, what was the primary outcome and any secondary outcomes? Yeah. So our primary outcome was medication adherence which was based on pill counts. And we argued that whatever the ASHA workers or the community health workers do, uh, they are basically going, going home to home, visiting people with epilepsy at their homes and uh, providing counseling so that they are able to adhere to their medicines and they do not miss out on medicines and therefore do not have any breakthrough seizures. And you, I think you said in the paper that you considered someone to be adherent if their pill counts were within two plus or minus two of what they would have been if they'd taken them every day. This is what has been done in previous studies. And uh, the other reason for that is epilepsy is somewhat different, you know, in conditions like hypertension, um, for instance, the gold standard, the bar for adherence is something like about 80%. So if people have their medicines 80% of their time, their blood pressure would be well controlled. But epilepsy is one condition. If they miss even a single pill, they are at risk of it. Not everyone has a seizure, but if someone misses a pill, even one tablet, he can have a seizure. So in this way, epilepsy is different. And that is why we, we use this stringent criteria of you know, pill counts, 
even two days of uh, difference in pill counts would uh, would constitute non-adherence. So, what did you find in terms of of adherence? Were the were there differences in the two arms? The the most important difference was uh, in the clinic based arm. People would come actually to the clinic. Uh, they would be dispensed the medicine they would the medicines were provided free of cost to them but they had to come once a month to get the medicines and and then the neurologist would see see them they would uh, you know discuss their problems and and then prescribe them the medicines depending on their seizure control side effects etc cetera, etc cetera. so we had a huge attrition a large number of people in the clinic-based arm were lost to follow-up. In the clinic-based arm, we lost 37% of the people. Uh, you know, they were lost to follow-up. They just stopped coming to the clinics. And in the home-based arm, it was just about 19%. So many more people exited the trial in the clinic-based arm as compared to the home-based care. So that was one of the important findings. This also impacted our result because, uh, you know, there was a differential attrition between the two arms. But it clearly tells us that people who have to come and collect their medicines, even if they are free of cost, they will still not come to the clinics, you know, because they have to come to the clinic. So that often might cost uh, a little bit. But more often, what it does is people lose one day of wages. And if they lose it, and, and that's a lot for them, actually. So in comparison, when the medicines are provided at home, so their adherence is better, their compliance is better, they, they adhere to the treatment, they, it's, it's much simpler for them to take medicines. We also documented that... Uh, uh, people in the home-based care arm were more adherent. They were 1.79 times more. And this was statistically significant in logistic regression. And their seizure control was also much better. The problem with country like ours is that our public health system was more geared towards looking after infectious diseases rather than chronic diseases. In hypertension control, as Dr. Gagandeep has talked about epilepsy, we found the same thing that the patients who are reaching district, district hospitals, their blood pressure was not controlled as compared to the patients which were coming to uh, primary healthcare centers or to health, health and wellness centers, even better. At health and wellness centers, our control rates reached around 60-65% kind of thing. Uh, whereas in the district hospitals, it was around 35%, 35%. So I also agree with him when he says that the patient loses the wages. He has to travel a long distance to a district hospital to come, uh, come and take the treatment. So we have to provide a way by, by which the drugs can be provided near to the house of the patient. One way is what Dr. Gagandi, what this study has done. In this study, what we did was that we were using the ASHA workers to take medicine to the patient's home. Whereas in hypertension control initiative, we 
calculated we, the amount of drug which should be available in a facility using a forecasting method which was based on morbidity and as a result we made the drugs available we had a very simple protocol two or three drugs instead of having so many hyper anti hypertensives as a result the procurement became easier and we were able to supply to pscs and uh, health and wellness centers a minimum supply of 30 days was ensured and that amount of drug was given to the patient also instead of giving them seven days drugs or 30 day uh, we were giving them 30 days drugs i think the same on epilepsy is also showing us treatment of epilepsy patients is also showing up that that is the way which we will be able to provide care to our patients chronic disease patients whether it's epilepsy whether it is hypertension or diabetes so it's a it's a very good model uh, which he has shown there are issues that we do not have too many neurologists with us the drug costs are a challenge but i think the drug costs for epilepsy we have number of drugs in the eda list and some of the thing, some of the drugs which are not even there in the who list they have been made available by the government but we have to make a system to make sure that these drugs are available at our primary healthcare center level if they become available then obviously the adherence uh, to the drugs is going to be much more better as compared to being available at a district hospital level i wanted to ask a little bit about the number of drugs and the primary health focus there are more than two dozen anti-seizure medications um ideally available primary health practitioners often don't have the education to decide which one to use or which one to try was that could that be a challenge in if you wanted to roll this program out further for example it sounds like one of the Definitely. challenges and i think mentioned in the paper was primary health practitioners they just don't get that kind of training and there aren't neurologists there aren't enough neurologists so relying on primary health would mean some sort of investment in um education or or training on that level can can both of you maybe speak to that this is a challenge definitely this is a challenge but on the other hand if we have a system of referrals and back back referrals that means if you are suspecting a patient at the primary healthcare level and ship that patient transfer that patient to a district health level let the uh, specialist diagnose and start the treatment and later on once the patient is stable then he can shift it he can be referred back to the primary healthcare center level where the physician is definitely trained the mbps doctor is trained uh to look at the symptoms to look at other small, smaller things uh but drug dispensement definitely then will occur at the primary healthcare level it becomes easier in that fashion and that is the model which we i told you that that's something which we have tried for hypertension for the first time and it works so maybe for others also we are hoping that the same i don't uh, say that same model will will be replicated but obviously if it minor modifications there some cuts here and there uh, we can do similar kind th- kind of thing for epilepsy too 
Dr. Gagandeep Kayadi. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with Dr. Sharma that, uh, you know, treatment really needs to come closer to home. How close it comes, that, that's a different matter, but it needs to come closer to home. And that might improve some of the disease-specific and uh, patient outcomes. Uh, that's one thing. And I think what you're saying is extremely important. You know, the primary care education uh, with regard to epilepsy is extremely, extremely important. And uh, see the WHO as part of the intersectoral global action plan uh, envisages that by the year 2030, we need to, uh, you know, reduce the epilepsy treatment gap to 20%. We need to reduce the diagnostic gap to even less than that. And we need to ensure that 70% of people with epilepsy are well controlled. If that has to happen uh, in countries such as India, but more so in countries, uh, for instance, in Africa, which are uh, really low-income countries, um, and, and there are very few specialists. So, so in these kind of countries, I think it's extremely important that primary care primary care personnel need to be educated about epilepsy. In certain African countries, for instance, it's the nurse. There are no doctors in the primary health care centers. And, and the primary health care centers are manned just by nurses. The ILE has uh, come up with uh, International League Against Epilepsy primary care curriculum. And this is just recently published about a couple of months ago. Um, this is uh, the work of nearly two years uh, of the primary care task force of the International League Against Epilepsy. And, and it is a detailed curriculum of what is really required for management of epilepsy in primary care, as opposed to what is required in specialist care. So I'm interested in talking a little bit about patient health literacy, because that was mentioned as one of the challenges in completing the study. Are there initiatives underway to address that or any discussions of how that might be handled, um, particularly in in areas like the one where the study was done? You know, their health literacy levels are very low and perhaps, at least in other areas of the world, they associate medication with acute illness so the concept of having to take a medication for the rest of their lives um, in a preventive capacity maybe is just not something that's familiar. So I, I think you actually hit the nail on the head. You know, it's uh, most people in disadvantaged communities, in resource-limited com communities, uh, think of medicine or healthcare as something that is basically meant for acute conditions or conditions which are extremely serious. So, so people will just procrastinate, just not take treatment. And then once the things go beyond, uh, beyond a certain limit, uh, then they would go to hospital to seek care. Or, you know, for instance, in a case of, uh, in someone with epilepsy, the person has acute seizures or status epilepticus would go to the hospital, start uh, you know, go and get treated for status or get the acute treatment for status. And then uh, subsequently what, what he would do is come back home. And once he comes back, he or she comes back home, 
they would take treatment for some time and then just stop taking treatment then after a few weeks or a few months or a few years again they have seizures and again they have problems so so i think that's a problem that's a perennial problem and that that that's something that has to be dealt with and for instance in our study 90% of the people more than 90% of the people were educated their education level was less than high school so i think treatment and health literacy has a lot to do with basic levels of education as basic levels of education improve uh, probably their health literacy and treatment literacy would improve are there any other interventions at a governmental level about how to improve the health literacy how to improve the people's knowledge about disease and health and preventive health in particular um, in 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 the setting where their basic education level is extremely poor i think that that's the challenge perhaps i agree with you i definitely agree with you dr gagandi that's a major challenge once even we have set up the facilities uh at a health center we face a challenge that the patient either doesn't come to the hospital to take the necessary treatment to get the diagnosis necessary treatment but he doesn't adhere to the treatment also so i think community level awareness is definitely required and we do have programs for example the national program for cancer diabetes cardiovascular disease and stroke uh, this pro- this is the program for chronic diseases and this program talks about preventive activity prevent prevention uh, in the community however i still feel that we have lots to do to do in this area we have some examples which are coming out from research studies but how do we translate them into a program that that's another another challenge upscaling you will agree with me upscaling is not a simple mathematics there are many many challenges when we do the upscale with epilepsy i find that they go for traditional healing too they go to the traditional healers and that complicates the situation even much more so we need to uh, undertake some research studies having a social scientist with us to understand that what is happening in the community and how to change those health seeking behaviors so that that's a big very very big challenge for not only for epilepsy but for all ncds i would say is there anything else that either of you wanted to mention about the study or implications or treatment gap challenges yeah so this is one of the methods to reduce the secondary epilepsy treatment gap which the primary epilepsy treatment gap improve adherence improve outcomes uh, it's not to say that this is the ideal model you know we need to look at uh, the cost implications of this which is uh, which we are actually doing and would be probably another paper Uh, and and this is not to say that this is um, the the one key that fits all uh, uh, one solution for every problem no it it's probably not that 
different places are different even within the country i'm sure there must be different uh, settings and different geographical as well as socio cultural settings uh, as also in many different other countries so so one has to find out what is the best way of uh, bridging the epilepsy treatment gap decreasing the epilepsy burden uh decreasing epilepsy morbidity and mortality which is which is indeed considerable and this is just one of the methods we need to look at it from a wider angle which probably includes uh, more specialist involvement primary care education community awareness so these are so many things that need to be built up into a very comprehensive model for care of epilepsy if we have to really reduce the epilepsy burden and the treatment gap dr sharma if you would like to add something i fully agree fully agree with you dr gagandeep that the type of diversity which we see in our country we require very different kind of models which suit different areas it's not one model does not fit is not going to fit fit in every place and for areas where we we have to specialize we have to think in a hub and spoke kind of model for areas where there is no nearby medical college or a district hospital we will have to look at different kind of challenges and build up a model accordingly but i think what uh, this paper this uh, project has done this has opened opened our understanding of how things work in our system and i'm very sure that we will be able to come up with two or three different models which are going to cater to the regional variations in our country so but i do have a faith that if you provide uh, care at a facility then the population ultimately will start understanding that there is some treatment available for ep- epilepsy that's a message which has to go to the community and epilepsy is treatable you have to visit the facility you have to adhere to the drug if those kind of messages are percolated in the community then things will start working but this is going to be a long journey thanks for listening to sharp waves our content is meant for informational purposes only and not as medical or clinical advice the international league against epilepsy is the world's preeminent association of health professionals and scientists working toward a world where no person's life is limited by epilepsy. Find more Sharp Waves episodes wherever you get your podcasts or at ilae.org.